funny, but yeah, uh, it, ain't, it definitely ain't for everybody. Ready? Yeah. We Eating presents the Free 99 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, our radio, Spotify, Twitch, and Instagram. Search FRE99 Podcast. Uh, shout out to all the sponsors. Shout out to all the listeners. Uh, Philly Phil in the building. What up? Mono in the building. Great. Episode 108 of the Free 99 Podcast. Special guest with us today. The first guest in a long time. Uh, activist. Educator. Mm. DJ. Yeah. DJ Sake One. Hey, hey yeah. Sake One in the building. Toast, Cheers. toast. Cheers. Yeah, 108. Yeah. Back in the E. Back in the E. Like it's the place to be. Yeah, hey. I, got a lot, I got a lot of history in Excelsior, man. I'm, I'm from Fillmore, but I got a lot of love out here. So good to be back. Hey, and just, just like a, just like a, a, a vibe check. So if, like, starting your history, like not just as a DJ, like you, because you're not only, not only are you like proud Bay Area, you're a proud San Franciscan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, what what high school did you go to? Like I went to I went to Wash. You went to Wash Wash House, huh? Yeah. You went to Wash. I'm old though, like. Different era, kind of like you know. I t- cause no, kinda, Wash then was different. It was different. It it wasn't like cutty, like bad. Like I definitely like back then. I, in the nineties, it was like you didn't want to go to Bow. You definitely didn't want to go to Wilson. Um, Bow Wilson, yeah. But, I mean, Bow was like cool. It was like a balanced Wilson. You didn't want to go to um, Galileo. Like for Filmo kids, it was like you you went to Gal or you went to Wash. Mm. And so I was glad to go to Wash because I went to Roosevelt Middle School and a lot of the people that I knew from Roosevelt, when we went on, we went on to Wash together. So it was cool. But, you know, it was still the era where, like, you know, riding on the 38 Geary at a certain time, get rap packed on the back. But, I mean, it was it was still pretty chill. Like it Pocket was, checks, huh? Po- a lot of pocket checks. <laughs> a lot of, like, nice Jordans with size of those. Oh, that's my size. That size, was size four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. size four and a half. <laughs> this is pre-Muni cameras for for anyone listening, right? Like, yo, that was- this is when Muni's used to pull up. Like, if you just moved to Frisco or you're young, you're not gonna. Muni's used to pull up with the windows flapping, yeah. like because people used to pull the emergency exits oh. to hop out on some like on some either tagging or like some homie shit. Like, hey! yeah, like bro, like it was it was like the buses were birds because they would pull up and the windows would be flapping like crack 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 <laughs> as they pulled up. It was hella funny, but yeah, and it was like the real tag, white and orange, the real like real bright orange and tag yes. from front to back. Like you seen the like. The, the boy the driver drives tagged up and you're like how did they do that just us being disrespectful little frisco kids that like literally would walk up and just be like excuse me driver and just like tag yeah. over him thank you bro i'm getting off now yeah this is my stop right here yeah yeah let, let me get off. a transfer yeah. real quick yeah <laughs> let me just get a tag right on your rear view mirror so you can't see nothing it might you know let me stand on your lap real quick I get yeah <laughs> it was a different era in frisco i mean i, I know y'all I'm, I'm probably older than y'all but you we know, ride around the same. We ride yeah, Muni drivers. Like I remember a Muni driver that used to drive the one California that would smoke cigarettes while he drove. He would have his hand out the window with it a cigarette. He's smoking. There was a era. famous dude that drove the 14. It was called 30 Seconds. Legendary Muni driver because his thing was like, I'm not gonna fight with no taggers. I'm not gonna call the police on no taggers. I'm gonna give y'all 30 seconds to do your dirt. Wow. And so he basically be like 30 seconds. He parked the bus at the turnaround at top of the hill, and then he'd do Don't it. I think do. at 30th, and he just like get off the bus. Do his thing and we'd have 30 seconds to go crazy so if you got that's on the bus with him it's like yes that's smart yeah right. i mean he's smart we all we all, we're like 30 seconds he's like what's up y'all <laughs> that's so well that was just a good turn so from <laughs> so yeah so yeah i went to wash yes yeah. <laughs> went to wash went to wash now, yeah. how how did how did the name sake one come about 
it's no good story. I wish I had a good story, but um, I had my first tag was well, it came from tagging. There you go. Um, it was a graffiti thing, and like a lot of graffiti foods, like it's like a weird word, but it like looks good when you yeah. when you write it out. Yeah. So you meet dudes named like Spac One or like Blap Two. It's like words are words, words, but it's the letters about, it, look good. Yeah, together, the letters yeah. look good. The letters flow good. And so my, I think my first tag was like, it's funny because I was like 11 or 12 when I was at Roosevelt. I started tagging cash. And then the S was like a dollar sign. And I, mm. thought, I thought I was so sick. Bro. I, was like, I was like, cash, you know, like money with a dollar sign. Like, Pay me, bitch. Yeah, we get it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no? Yeah. No, you don't like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and it's like the classic example, too, of like aspirational shit. Like I wrote cash because yeah. I didn't have no cash. Yeah. Like, and I want it. Yeah. So I'm shooting for. Another, I'm so old story. You're going to get a lot of these today. Please. My first job was at the O-Fudge Candy Kitchen on Pier 39. Like a lot of Frisco kids, I got my first job at Pier 39. Is that the one 39. with the bear in the front? That's the one with the um, taffy machine in the front. And they make the candy apples. Oh, on Pier 39. It's like right on Jefferson. Yeah, like right there. That was your first job? Yeah, so guess what Guess what? I got paid per hour? Four twenty-five. I'm, I'm going to say three. I'm older than that. Yeah. I'm going to say three twenty-five. It was three thirty. I got three thirty an hour. I like Bowling. two weeks. I worked every day, every summer. I was my goal was to get my first turntable, my first Techniques twelve hundred, which they cost around three fifty four hundred back then. Um, I think I gave up on that. I got my first check. It was like three fifty, three hundred fifty dollars for like two weeks. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna get some Jordans. I gave up on the turntables. Yeah. Like what? imagine working for two weeks and your check is three hundred fifty dollars. What made like, you want to get turntables? Yes. Just... Um. So my big brother. Uh huh. R.I.P. Shout, shout out to Adam, my big brother. He was a big influence on me, and he was like heavy, heavy into music from a young age. Um, he really was into like Jamaican ska mm. and reggae, and mm -hmm. then he got into rap, mm -hmm. and then he started getting into all different kinds of like soul mm. and house and dance music. And I was just a rap kid. I didn't know nothing but rap. I was yeah. just like, I like LL Cool J. I like UEMC. Mm. I like mm. the local rappers and like the you know the big national rappers. Yeah. Run DMC was like. Gods to me when I was a little kid, and my brother used to be like really into music, but he wasn't a DJ. But he would like go to the record stores and get records, and okay. he'd be like, "Do you know about this B side that's on the flip side? You know, you you have LL Cool J's yeah. first album, but have you heard this song, um, Jack the Ripper?" Mm -hmm. I'm like, "No, that doesn't exist. I have all of LL Cool J's albums. There is no song called Jack the Ripper." He's like, "Nah, it's on the B side," yeah. and he's dissing. Kumo D, who you think is so tight, like big brother shit, like he'd be like yeah. clowning me, like, oh, you think Kumo D's so tight? Listen to this. Yeah. I'm like, damn, he destroyed Kumo <laughs> D on that song, bro. Like, and it's a it's a slap too, yeah. you know what I mean? So I got to the point where I was like, I need to have these songs. I, I just wanted to, I, I, I got that from my older brother, wanting to know every song, every artist. And so I was like, I gotta go get the 12 inch. Yeah. So I got the 12 inch and I would like play it on my parents' turntable, but eventually they were like, this music's hella profane. We yeah, don't want yeah. it, you know. So and what are I you got listening to. Yeah, like what's <laughs> with all these f words? They weren't into rap. My yeah. parents were like into jazz and like hippie. My parents were like hippie. So, um, so I got my. I, I was like, I need to get my own turntable. I didn't have the money to get a Techniques, and I didn't really have the game. I didn't have other homies around me that mm -hmm. were DJing. All my homies were graffiti artists. So there used to be actually a DJ store right down the street on Mission and Ocean, right around the corner. Shout from Creative Music. Right around the corner from Creative Music. Oh, it was it was it wasn't Creative. It wasn't. They didn't sell records. They just sold DJ gear. Oh, um, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but yeah, Creative was there, and Shout it was like that used over. to be like that was the one stop shop. Like, and for me, being on the other side of town, it was a hype to come all the way over here to catch the 14 and come mm. all the way up to the Excelsior and hit Creative with whatever twenty thirty dollars I had. I could get two or three 12 inches. 
And then I go around the corner and look at the DJ shop, but it was like everything was so expensive. Man. They sold big Sirwin Vegas speakers, you know, because Bay Area, you know, Sirwin Vegas. Speakers. Well, you know, here it was about the mobile sound Base, system. Yeah, yes. yeah the mobile sound systems um, was the big thing in Frisco. So like a lot of the different sound crews were like building sound systems. Sound you know clash, I mean? straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you talk to like Qbird, Shortcut, all those guys. They come out of that that culture yeah. of like having a sound system because we, it wasn't. A really a nightclub scene here the way it is in new york so mm. people we made our own clubs cats would go to like uh quinceaneras or town halls yeah. or public spaces to schools and throw parties and to throw a party in a big space you need to have a big sound system so a lot of bass heavy music that's another thing people that was that differentiates frisco was like we were really slapping like stevie b alongside some of the early hip-hop songs you know even you hear some of the early like gotta be tough by mc shy d with who was a rapper from atlanta and from new york but if you hear that song, it was a huge song in Frisco. I remember being like 12, 13, going to jams and hearing MC Shad D, and I gotta be tough. Everybody sing this song. And it had, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and it had the really fast scratching the, yeah. on, the, on the hook. And that, that to me is like the epitome of like 80, late 80s Frisco because it had the scratching, it has the bass, yeah. it's up-tempo. I remember the kids doing all the dances, the Reebok and the Fila, and I was I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, that was before I saw like Qbert actually scratch, and I was like, there's no way I'm ever gonna be able to do that. So I have to like figure it, figure out another lane, you know, in DJing, but um, but yeah, so I went to the, to the, to the DJ store, and I was like, I wanna get a turntable, and it was like, we recommend you get a Techniques 1200. That's mm. like the industry standard yeah. for DJs, and I was like, Okay, cool. How much are they? And they were like, you know, four hundred dollars plus tax. And I was like, oh, yeah. What do you what? got this? Cheap? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, like, do you, what, do you this, what do you got this cheaper? And I met the dudes were cool. Actually, they were like, bruh, you got Gemini's. That's what, I, that's what I bought. I got the Gemini belt drive, which was like ninety nine plus tax. Yeah. But I remember the dudes. Shout out to them dudes. I don't remember their names, but they were like, bruh, you're gonna spend a hundred bucks on this turntable, and you're gonna get frustrated, and then it's not a real DJ turntable. It's a belt drive. They're like just save your money don't, they, they like didn't try to sell me yeah. they were like yeah. you gonna be right back just they, they were just like the save the hundred and put it towards the techniques like they were cool about yeah. that because i feel like a lot of people were like oh you want to spend 100 cool take one of these but i was really stubborn so i bought i bought um the gemini belt drive which is a janky ass turntable a belt drive and a direct drive a belt drive is driven by a big rubber band inside yeah. it takes a, hella long to yeah start a direct drive <laughs> is a magnet and a motor so it's yeah. like it's built for like being manipulated and touched and 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 the spe the speed going up and down a belt drive is you can play a record on it fine That's but if you try it. to touch it the needle's going to go boop 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 yeah. so a quarter on that yeah <laughs> even then even yeah. then it's like super wild so but i did have a turntable and i was able to like start listening to the 12 inches that i had started to accumulate i didn't i wasn't really thinking about djing i was just like i want to have a turntable and listen and then when i really got into it was when i started making tapes and i would come to school at wash and i'll be like yo check out this tape i got and i'd have this tribe called quest song that wasn't on the album mm. this jungle brother song that wasn't on the mix album tape. mix tape yeah i wasn't like mixing tapes. anything but i was just they were like pause tapes i yeah. was just like put a, a record on record it and, and my friends were like yo sakes got all the music he's got all the shit like you know they listened to k-poo like i did but it was like shit that you couldn't hear on the radio and shit that everyone was buying the tapes and the cds but these were like non-album cuts or remixes or you know back in the day they do the posse cut mm. where they on the back of the 12 inch it was like everyone in their crew would rap and so i had all those songs and um that was when people were like you should start djing 
So that's kind of how I backed into it. It was never something where I was like, I want to be a DJ. And again, going to like house parties and seeing cats like Q-Bird and Mixmaster Mike and, DJ, and DJ Disc and um, DJ Quest. Like the, these were the best DJs that existed in the entire world mm. and seeing them DJ. And I was like, like literally, I remember having a moment watching Q-Bird at a house party and he was just casually scratching. And I was like, I'm never gonna be able to do that. I could practice every day, and I know I'm never gonna be able to do that. He's just like on a whole nother level. And Cuber to this Planet. day, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah, he really he <laughs> remains on another level, like in terms of the scratching. But then I started to go out to New York. My older brother moved out to New York, and I go visit him, and I started seeing that there are different kinds of DJs. There's DJs that are known more for like selections. There's DJs that are more known more for like crowd control. Mm. There's radio DJs. There's mixtape DJs, and I realized that like scratch DJs weren't the only thing there was other kinds um and battle djs weren't the only thing so yeah i i started to rely on my music ear which is the one strength that i have as a dj is that i have a good ear for music like and you can read your crowd yeah sometimes sometimes i don't i don't i don't know that i do that as well as i as i'd like to but i definitely know i'm not the best scratcher i'm not the sickest technical dj in the world um and i'll freely admit that and I keep working at it to get better, but I do think I have a good ear for music. Like music I know there's songs, yeah, there's songs that I played that I that I that I, I put my name on them. You know, I was just like, I really stand by this song. And other people were like, eh, or people were like, I don't feel it. But you know, six months, eight months later, you know, you start hearing that song in the clubs, you start mm. hearing on KML, and you know that. Yeah, well, that's happened enough over the last 25 years that I have confidence that like my ear is pretty good for that. You know what I mean? I remember, um, and then just just shout out to DJ yep. Mr. E, Miguel, Alposo yep. Poppy, yep. a friend of the show. We, we did an episode with him a couple, uh, maybe like in our 50s. And then uh, he said, like when, when we asked him to mention his favorite DJs, your name came up for knowing how to read the crowd, like song selection, knowing like to throw on, like in, in the hip hop room, to know to throw on like, a, a Michael Jackson track, mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Like just knowing this, this, this song will <laughs> work. A, throw a non-hip hop song on yeah. in the hip hop room. <laughs> in a real hip, but no, everyone's gonna feel it because you could you could feel what where the the crowd the yeah. crowd is vibing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that. Miguel's an amazing DJ and one that I look up to in a lot of ways. So, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'd like to think I'm a DJ that like isn't. You hear a lot of DJs now talk about open format. That's like a um, that's like a very trendy phrase with DJs, in, especially in the sort of bottle ser bottle service community in like the Vegas scene. Uh -huh. It's like that's not bottle a bottle service community. No, bottle service scene. I didn't mean to say community because it's definitely not a community. <laughs> but like that scene where like and it basically for me, it does feel a little bit like a we don't play too much rap because that's too ghetto. Like mm. kind of like kind of a racial thing in a lot of ways. But you go to some of these bottle service clubs where you know. Just to just to sit down, it's like five hundred dollars. You got to buy a bottle to just to sit, sit down, down. and and those kind of people with that kind of money don't necessarily want to hear Young Thug all night. Yeah. So now you're hearing more about this. Open, I'm an open format DJ. I kind of play a little bit of everything, which appeals to that kind of crowd. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I would like to think that before that existed, and in much more of like a grassroots type of vibe, like a Club Six or a Milk Bar in the 90s. Storyville. That I, Storyville, that I was kind of oh, doing man. that, like mixing the genres up man. a little just to keep people a little off on their toes. Mm -hmm. Because I used to go to like the hip hop clubs and I'm like, bruh, if I hear Shook One's part two again, bruh, like I'm so <laughs> tired of hearing that. You know, and it was like, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to stir things up and that's worked for me and that's worked against me in a lot of ways in my career. But 
I, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely was a dude that would play like Michael Jackson in a, in a hip hop room or like play a, throw a reggae dance hall song on it during a, an R&B type of time period because, um, yeah, I like to kind of keep people on their toes and I like to keep the music in the forefront. And I witnessed that many times at Lavende. Ooh, like Lavende. on the Thursday, Thursday night. Oh, oh yeah. was that PST? Y- yeah. You guys made that Thursday Ooh. the new Saturday and Friday. <laughs> you know what I mean? That Thursday was more po- like that Thursday night yeah. was more popping than almost any other clubs in the Bay. I remember being there and like the We Believe Warriors came in. Steve Jackson. That's right. Matt yeah. Barnes. Baron Davis. And I'm like. Baron used to come regular. Yes, he was like, regular. He used to come regular like because he was actually a music guy. He used to come regular and like really And he's vibe. a Cali boy, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but he would like vibe to the music and loved it. Steven Jackson came when it got popular and he yes. was from Port Arthur, Texas. So he would always send his dude to the DJ booth with a crisp $100 bill and was like, yo, Stack Jack want to hear UGK. <laughs> they grew up together. Thug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like Port Arthur, you UGK. It was like, would you play it? He like grew up with them. Nah, I've just never been that dude to like, <laughs> take money to play songs. To the, I would have so to this day, I'm just like low-key offended by that. I was like, you see everyone's dancing, we're having fun. Like, yeah. what's the issue? But once International Players Anthem came out, yeah. I felt like I had a UGK song that fit PST. Yeah. yeah. So I would just make a I would make a I would make it a point to play that and I'd be like, shout out Steven Jackson, and he'd be like, What's up? But I mean he wanted to hear like UGK, yeah. UGK, yeah. Dirty like, South. And I was just like, bro, you're a PSD. Like, everyone knew the vibe, what the vibe yeah, was. Yeah. It was, like, very soulful. You see the green and browns here, bro? You can't yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's very, very soulful. Kind of like, I usually, at the end of the night, I'll be playing house when people kind of were, like, ready for some, like, turn-up hip-hop. But yeah. I intentionally stayed away from that. And people would leave, like, and I, and I enjoyed that. I was like, I don't want people that come here that expecting to hear the same shit they hear in KML. I don't want them to like get that because they're gonna the party's gonna change yeah. and people are just gonna be like and it's too tight in there for the party to yeah, change yeah like and just cause you said KML, I remember interning there and I would hear your name on the radio just as much if not more than some of the DJs that were <laughs> that were on KML. and some and of the DJs like, who on, is this dude <laughs> and some of the DJs on KML didn't like that <laughs> I, I like when 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 uh, Sana or or Chewy or Vaughn would do like the the clubs for the, like that yeah. week, and then you would hear that liner of all the clubs popping, and your name came up a lot. I remember hearing your name and not know. I, and this is me, like twenty one, like oh yeah. in 01, who like is who is like who like is he here? Like yeah. I always hear his name. I want to go to his party. Is, is is dude here? I seen the paper flyer from Manhattan Lounge. I don't know if he's oh Manhattan Lounge. Wow, <laughs> hey. I'm bringing you back right yeah. now. Yeah, yo, Big that Heart's, was fun. Manhattan Lounge was fun. That was Big Heart City. I don't know. <laughs> that was the one on the market, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Dude, Dennis, shout out to Duderu, another film old boy. But um, he used to he used to do parties there. Yeah, I was I had a I had a good run in Frisco, man. I was like working a lot. You know, like the scenes changed a lot. I'm happy. Scenes change a lot. Yeah, I'm happy, and I'm I love I love the new DJs that are, that have like come up now, and I'm and I feel fortunate that I'm in a position where you know I do still get booked, um, not like I was in 2005 or 2010, but I still still get booked a good amount, and um, I can also pick and choose what I yeah. want to do because I'm not depending on DJing for my entire life like I was, so I can be like you know what if I feel like skipping a you know a Tuesday a Tuesday night party where they're like we'll pay you in drink tickets, you know I can mm. I can do. I could do some other stuff. So some Otis, <laughs> Otis, right on the Tuesday night. Oh, Otis! Yeah, I used to just be like, "How are they making money here? It's so right. small." They they, they washing their cash. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, they used to pay us okay, but yeah, it felt like some some 
some something off off brand was going on. You're part of like, a bigger scheme. Yeah, it was like it was like a tiny ass, really sexy space, like really, really? well designed. But Size of the like, studio space. There were like 40, 30 people in there. Yeah. And the end of the night, they chip us out two, three hundred bucks, and I'm like, that's pretty good. Really good for this, because I'm like, you, they you're, and you're not charging the cover, nah. And the drinks were like, they were expensive, but it wasn't normal. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there's some drug dealer probably they're laundering, laundering yeah. their money here, but I, I got no problem with that as long yeah. as. As long as my money's yeah, clean. Yeah, just don't tell me. I don't know. I don't know nothing. I'm just yeah. here to play music. But yeah, it used to be fun. There was like a little upstairs. And you used to get like the occasional celebrity used to come up there. I'm trying to remember used to, who. It was small and sexy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, was, it was quiet. It was always like cute girls. The DJ space was away from everyone. Mm -hmm. You, you were kind of elevated like old school milk. You know what I mean? Yeah, upstairs like a little loft. And then people would come up there. But they used to make it so if you came upstairs, it was like the VIP. Yeah. yeah. So the people upstairs would be chilling, having a bottle. And they weren't like trying to get in the DJ's mix really mm. um, so yeah Otis was cool and then it was called the romper room or something I think it's still I think it might still be a club what's your top five favorite venues like, we could go San Francisco first and you could go the world because I know okay. I, I know how you travel you know what yeah. I mean yeah um, I mean there's a lot of places that I've been blessed to DJ at a lot of places yep. um, so really thankful for that like um, I'll throw Cielo on the list in New York which was mm. a, which was a club that was built by partially by Louis Vega for Masters at Work. So he really constructed it to be like perfect sound wise. The, the dance floor is like recessed. It's like that you go down kind yeah. of into the dance floor and then the DJ booths above it. It's like a circular room. That's really dope. Um, I was able to attend the loft in New York City, which is like a $250,000 sound system or something Ooh. crazy. This dude, David Mancuso built it. He was someone who went to Paradise Garage, which is like widely considered the greatest club in the history of the world, whatever. But David Mancuso went there and was basically like, this is an amazing party. What if this party happened at a place with like a bespoke sound system that I build by hand? So he built that sound system. Sheesh. And my older brother, who actually went to Paradise Garage because he was old enough and was in New York, like right as it was going out of business in like 87, 88, took me to Paradise Garage, uh, took me to, sorry, to the loft. I never went to Paradise Garage, took me to the loft. And I got to hear Larry LeVan, who was the resident of Paradise Garage, play at the loft on the sound system. And that was like a mind blowing experience for me. Um, he was playing on these like $3,000 audio file turntables and he uh -huh. wasn't even mixing. He would like play the song and the song would play all the way to the end. People would stop dancing and they clap and then he'd play the next song. Really? Wow. Yeah, it was like being like transported back to like the late 60s yeah. early 70s when djing started like he wasn't even mixing he was just like this he was just playing insane selections and everyone's like what is this song you know so that was really amazing i remember going with my brother and like i was like 15. I was, like this is back when dinkins was mayor in new york and you could go into a club without id Sheesh. um i just went there fell asleep on the couch at one point at like <laughs> three or four in the morning because i was you know i was like yeah. a kid yeah woke up at like 10 10 o'clock larry levan still dj still 10 a.m we go outside at like 12. The sun's out, there's like snow on the ground. And I was like, can we go home? My brother's like, no, nah, we're going to another club. And I was just like, that I was, need breakfast. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, But yeah, um, so yeah, Cielo, uh, I, um, The Loft, I would say, uh, I have really, really fond memories and good feelings about, this is probably gonna surprise you guys, but, um, but um, 15 Utah, Mighty. Whoa. Mighty. Yeah, yeah Mighty, yeah. which, um, and I don't know why, because like people had complaints about Mighty. One cool thing about Mighty is that they imported that huge, when it first opened, the huge stack speakers. Uh -huh. Yeah. Those were imported from New York, from some legendary club in New York. Um, 
and people complained about them. They were old, they're from the 80s, but I, mighty, I like the lighting, I like the big open hardwood floors. It felt like an East Coast type of club. Um, and I just have a lot of good memories there from like, randomly having EPMD ask me to DJ for them at mm. a show. Like Lex. my favorite rap group of all time. And they were just like, hey, we need a DJ, can you get on? And I was like, your DJ's scratch. He's literally like the greatest DJ ever. And they were like, well, he's not with us. So they are like, just play some songs. So I just played some songs for them. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of really good feelings about Mighty. Um, yeah, what are some other good venues? Man, Mission Rock was amazing. Come, Mission Rock in like the early 2000s was a whole nother thing, right? That was... Yeah. That was, was kind of like our, thing. our like not like the Ibiza in Oakland, but that was like our yeah, Ibiza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Inside, outside, you do the reggae vibe on the outside. Yo, or? just two, 3,000 people at yeah. a party. Like, that's the thing people don't realize because that era was so prominent and then it became all about these like ultra clubs and ultra lounges and yeah. tiny little bars and, yeah. and like exclusivity and bottle service. But that era, which I hope and pray is coming back, and I think because of COVID and a lot of other things, like, I think it, I think it might be coming back at some point, the Mega Club, like where you go in and there's four different rooms, almost like rave rave yeah. culture, you you know, reggae in one room, house in one room, and it's like an event, it's like a theme park. You're like, oh, we in the, we in the main room, we turned yeah. up to some rap, and then we like wander into some side room, and there's girls, to the on, red room. girls on Molly <laughs> making out with each other, and it's like, yeah, it's just like a, a different vibe, and I feel like. And there's different music. In, in yeah, there, yeah. yeah. I Ideally, and yeah, Mission Rock definitely had that. The big indoor room inside upstairs was like usually like my motion or somebody just like yeah. playing some like radio up, e? slaps and it was going crazy. Mr. E, yeah, whoever. And then outside there was like the back patio, which is usually reggae. And then there more might be like there. a lot, yeah, like kind of chill. And then it'd be more like, and obviously outside because people listen smoke, to reggae, yeah. smoke, sneak a tote. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then in the front, there's sometimes there'd be like a stage for like live performances or there'd be like, that they I'd play there a lot because it would be like underground music. So like I got I would I would be spent out there with like DJ Halo or like trying to think of other kind of DJs. But yeah, Mr. E a lot like more of the DJs that weren't like the super cameo radio guys, um, and we get to play more like cool shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mission Whatever you want. Rock. Mission Rock. Oh. And then yeah, um, man, what's a great Frisco club? I would have to say, um, man, my favorite club of all time and. Yeah. Let's go. This is my era again. Like I was 15, 16 with a fake ID going, but club called Mr. Fives, which was right off market on an alleyway mm. called Rose Street. Yeah, this is like, I'm talking 89, 90, 91. And I was like in high school, like 15 years old. And um, I remember going up in there. It was started by um, Michael O'Connor, who opened the Justice League and owns New Parish. And, you know, has uh, been th throwing a lot of venues and parties around SF. Kirk Harper, um, who was involved with Sweater Funk later, but he also opened 330 Rich. Ooh. This is all later. Jerry V, Jerry Villarreal, who was an amazing graphic designer and DJ. Um, they call, it was called Mr. Fives because there was five of them. I'm trying to remember all five. But basically, these were all guys who, who mostly went to Cal Berkeley and went on later to be like really big parts of the SF hip-hop and, and music Club scene. scene yeah. But Mr. Fives was really at the era when hip-hop and especially like jazzy native tongues hip-hop was really starting to blow up. Jazzy and native tongues You know what I'm talking about? I like that lane, yeah. Yeah, like, like, like that was starting to be a thing. Hip-hop wasn't just like really aggressive, no. like hyper, you know, it was after LL Cool J and, and, and Run DMC. And hip-hop started to be more like about, ooh, this is intellectual and we're getting these samples from jazz and from all these cool different sources. And it started being more like heady. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, there was this music music genre called acid jazz that was starting to come up out of um, out of um, 
London and they did a lot of sort of like, it was kind of almost like instrumental versions of hip hop where it was like a lot of like jazz samples with drums and some of it was more housey, some of it was more like hip hoppy. But Mr. Fives kind of fused all that together. All together. And, and it just was, a, I remember one of the first times I went up in there, I got, I got, I was hella young, so I didn't know, I was like, club starts at nine, I got there at 9 p.m. <laughs> and it was like almost empty and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what are you doing here, kid? But I had the actual, I had the actual fake ID because my brother moved to New York and he never got an ID, oh, so I was so like, can I use, ID. I had, well, I had his birth certificate. Uh, so it was really my picture on the ID. Yeah. But they were like, there's no way this dude is 21. Like, I didn't have a whisker on my face, and the security used to be like, but this is definitely him. Yeah, this is And this him. is definitely a real ID, so they just used to be like, all right, bro. And um, so I was just <laughs> in the club, and people looking at me like, who's this little kid? And I was just in the corner, like, in my little Carhartt jacket with my Zulu Nation hat. It's like... <laughs> You know, like, yeah, man, hip hop. And I remember one night, fucking Cindy from En Vogue walks in. Ooh. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's fine ass Cindy from En Vogue. And I'm sitting like five feet away from her. And she starts shooting pool with Dwayne from Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah. Dwayne Wiggins. Wiggins, yeah. And it's like, there's like six people in the club. And I'm just like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, I'm around like my idols. It was just acting hella weird. I remember at one point, Dwayne was like, hey, you want to play, little man? I was like, this fool just called me little man yeah. in a nightclub. He knows. You know I mean? He knows. <laughs> Yeah, you normally call someone, some another dude, little man in the club. It's a fight. You yeah, know what yeah, I, mean? yeah. I was like, nah, I'm okay, big dog. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I I'll like just the watch. View. I like the view from here. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what Mr. Fives was. It was like, and really, honestly, like that was the party I always wanted PST to be. I was like, if it could be where there's just like fine ass people, but like famous people could be there, just intermingling with regular people, yeah. and no one was tripping. Like that was, and the music was so unpredictable. I remember one night. Uh, Organized Confusion was there, just like yeah. hanging out. And um, it wasn't even like a big venue. It was like this really sexy like loft space on this alley, Rose. It runs, you guys know where Zuni Cafe is on Market? Yeah. It's right, Rose is right behind Zuni. And it was like up in this loft. So you'd like walk up these stairs and it just looked like a cool little loft, but just an emptied out space. And um, it was like a couple different rooms, but you know, it would just be like a really sexy crowd. And um, yeah, and then I remember like Feral Monster just wound up getting on the mic and rapping just because he liked the vibe and it wasn't like a publicized performance. But, you know, Organized Confusion was like my favorite group. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is unbelievable. Kids that, kids that I go to watch and be like, yo, I saw Organized Confusion perform last night. They're like, bullshit, you're lying. Yeah, How was that possible? And I was like, check out my fake ID. Yeah. That's a real ID. And they're I like, still smell like cigarettes. <laughs> Bruh, like literally, like sne literally sneaking out of my house to go to these clubs like... I don't even remember how I got to all the. I must have took the 90 owl. Like, so you went there solo. Yeah, I didn't really even have friends. I was yeah. just into music. And none of my homies could go because they were all my age. Yeah. So I would just like go by myself. And, you know, being that young and being solo, imagine how sus I looked. They're yeah. just like, who is this little dude by himself? This like, is a fucking legit yeah. ID. Yeah, what are you but doing like, here? He's, he's all alone. He's like, no one's with him. He's not talking to girls. He's not drinking. Like, he's what's a going narc. on? <laughs> yeah, so right. I dead ass look like I'm sure people thought I was some kind of like set up narc or something. But yeah, I, I used to just like sneak out of my house, catch the 90 owl or whatever. If it was early, I catch the 90 owl home. Usually by like eight or nine p.m., I could still catch a bus, you know, and get there or I'd walk. Um, I was just like obsessed with being at the spot where they're playing the yeah. best music. Like that's always been what I've been about. Is just like Dang. knowing about and learning about what the best music is. Um, so yeah, with um. Do, do you have a question, Phil? No, no, go ahead. With um, mm. with the transition you've seen with with music, especially yeah. like that, I'm talking about that that club era of like of 01 to like 2010. Mm. There was a transition from vinyl to CDJs. Yep. 
to uh to Serato. Yep, yep. How was uh how was that for you and and what internal fight did you have leaving Wax? Um, that's great that you sh that shows you're not a DJ. Nah, because he is though, and yeah, he's he fucking music. I'm, but I'm in the scene, you know what I mean. But but the CDJ thing is really important. I talk about that all the time. People, and people don't remember CDJs was a brief period, but without CDJs, I don't really think the Serato thing would have happened. Facts. Yeah, yeah. because the you couldn't play the hot music right now unless yep, yep. it was on. You had wax. to burn, and you had to figure out a way to burn it on the CD. Yeah, because so. So when the industry, and again, it's all dictated by the industry, the industry started moving away from vinyl. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, if the nightclub is a place where you go to hear the hottest brand new song, that's like, that's the best shit at the club when you're like hearing the new shit yeah. that's not even on the radio that no one knows about and you know about it and you're hearing it on a loud sound system. That's like, the, that's, in my opinion, that's the reason why nightclubs exist. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? That, that feeling of a record being broken and you, you're there for that moment. And um, as less and less shit started getting pressed on vinyl, DJs were in a position of like, how am I gonna break a song that doesn't exist on vinyl? Um, and that was where CDJs came in. It became out finding MP3s, which back then was like, you know, LimeWire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, or yeah, <laughs> figuring out a way to get it online um, and burning a CD of it. Yeah. Um, and then and then also the, the record labels were starting to, instead of, they used to send us promotional 12 inches. They free would, shit. Yeah, free records. They'd be like, this is Push the new LL Cool J single or whatever. This is the new De La Soul single. Um, you're, we consider you a good DJ. So you're getting this record a month, two months, three months, six months before it comes out. Sometimes they'd send you a record and never would come out. Yeah, really. Um, and they're like, we want to know, we want you to play it for your crowds. And they would sometimes include a feedback form and they'd say, mail us this feedback form. Like, it's even before email, they'd be like, fill it out and say like, I like this record, I played it at this club. The crowd liked it, the crowd didn't really fuck with it, you yeah. know, and, and you give feedback. And in theory, at least, the label, Tommy Boy, in the example of De, of, of De La Soul, would get all those feedback forms and be like, that, that would determine whether the song was released as a single. Sometimes it would determine how important De La Soul was on their release roster, yeah. you know, all those kind of things. So. Um, they, at a certain point, we started getting CDs. Um, that was around the time of Cornerstone mixtapes. Yep. Um, I don't know if you guys remember those, but yeah, the, the Cornerstone was put out by the same company, Cornerstone Media, which put out the, which puts out the Fader magazine. It's a marketing company, and they started sending these things called the, uh, the Cornerstone mixtapes. It would be like once or twice a month, and they get a different DJ to do the mix, and what, it would be a double CD they would send you, and one CD would be a mix CD, of like kind of all the new commercial stuff. Some mm. of it was good. All the jiggy shit coming yeah, out. Yeah, a lot of jiggy stuff and radio edits. So yeah. it's like, I never listened to them because I'm like, well, I'm gonna listen to radio edit of hella jiggy shit. It's like not even good jiggy shit. Yeah. Um, and then, but then the other CD, it would be a double CD. Their CD would be like priority songs that they were trying to get out to DJ. So we'd, we had the early MacBooks. We'd put the CDs in our drive and rip the songs off and we'd have, you know, songs before other people would have it. So. Yeah, that was where CDJs really came in, and that made the transition to Serato. When Serato came out around it, I think you know maybe Jazzy Jeff transitioned onto it 0304, but for the rest of us, it was like 0405. Yeah. I actually jumped onto Serato because, like I said, like I was never the greatest technical DJ, and Serato allowed me to mask my technical deficiencies in a lot of ways and really focus on what my strength was, which was selections. Mm. Because with Serato, instead of being like um, I'm going to bring two crates of records to the club because that's Shit. all I can carry. I could bring as many Everything, songs as my yeah. laptop could hold. Um, all in a backpack. The whole, I could yeah. bring my whole collection, you know what I mean? And I was connected with a bunch of DJs in New York that were early on the Serato thing, and Serato helped um, 
help digitize big libraries. So Let me like, just email you this track real quick. You know well, I, mean? I got. Well, I had a situation where like people were like, "Bring your laptop to New York, and I'm gonna give you like the last 20 years of hip hop on MP3." Yeah. yeah. So I, I was lucky um, because I was one of those early people you that had your connections. laptop today. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> where's the laptop at? I, I had a lot of those records, but if you can imagine how much time it would have took for me to oh, rip all yeah. of that shit, so. That made it really a lot easier. And then, like, also some of those songs had the cue points in them. So it was like, it really made it easy to kind of start off and get going with Serato. And I, I took it off and I never really looked back. I remember one of my last big international gigs before Serato was a gigs. I had a couple gigs in London. Um, and I got to the airport with like four crates of records. And they were like, these are over 50 pounds. We're charging you $100 for each crate of records. For each crate? Yeah, each crate was $100 because it was over the portage limit. And I, and I was just like, fuck. And I just remember when Serato came out, I was like, never paying $100 to bring some records on. You know, so I wound up buying so many records in, in London that I think I, I think my when I came, I left with like four crates and I came back with like six crates. <laughs> so I think I like the Man, money, the money I made, the money I made out there was like, it, I broke it's even. It was a wash. Yeah, <laughs> I like broke even, yeah. You got a free vacation out of it. Yeah, but Serato was amazing and I think it was great. And, um, but I still, I teach people DJing every now and then when people like seek me out and they're like, I want to learn from you. It's not something I do widely, uh -huh. but I do it for certain people that I like know that I have a relationship with and I always teach them on vinyl because for me, Serato came very naturally because it's based on DJing. It's based mm -hmm. on because Jazzy Jeff and the other people that consulted with them were like, this is the way to make it so it doesn't feel different, yeah. you know? Um, and so the people that I've shown, it's frustrating because records skip, you know, and they, they, they have sound degradation and you're dealing with needle issues and all that stuff. And it requires repetition and repetition and repetition. But I, I force the people that I DJ, I tell them before we start, I was like, I'm going to make you learn on vinyl and it's going to be hard. It's going to be frustrating, but it's going to make you a much better DJ yeah. because I don't expect you to spin with vinyl. But if you learn, learning vinyl to me is like, no, it's like people that know Latin. They can speak like any language because all the languages are based on Latin. Spewed off of that. They can, yeah. they can speak like any, any Latin based language, any like European language, like Portuguese, French, English, German. And I feel like DJing is the same way. If you learn on vinyl, then a controller makes sense. It doesn't mean like you're instantly able to do it, but it makes sense because yeah. it's based on that. Serato's based on that. Record Box is based on that. And now, you know, it's not just Serato now. It's like there's Record Box and there's all these different software programs, native instruments, um, people DJ with Ableton. Shit. Um, people DJ with all different kinds of stuff. Speaking software. Latin to me right now. You moved off the Latin for me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of DJs now, including some DJs I really admire, are DJing off thumb drives because the new CDJs, oddly, have come back now. Really? CD, CDJs like, had like a three-year period, which was like that transition yeah. from vinyl to Serato. Yeah. And now CDJs are back because... Um, they give people more comfort in terms of like there's like a bigger jog wheel and like people were frustrated with the controller thing. Mm -hmm. um, they're a lot more stable than controllers in a lot of cases. Um, and now they have these CDJs that basically have computer screens on them, and you can you can literally come to the club with a thumb drive, plug it into the C these newer CDJs, and it'll read your MP3s with your cue points, um, and you're good to go. And I'm like. As much as the old pioneer still, so it's pioneer. Yeah, right? pioneer yeah, mainly pioneer. is like yeah. And as, as much as the old DJ in me is like, bro, I used to bring crates to club. This is phony. I'm like, it would be really nice to show up to a club yeah. with two two thumb drives on a necklace. Just take them off, plug one into the right CDJ, plug one into the left CDJ, and be able to, you know, they have thumb drives with a terabyte on yeah. them now. You can play all night. So it's kind of cool. They will never know that woe of bringing a, a no. 
of bringing a, a, a dolly with you to the club mm-hmm. or having the underage homies Hold a crate yeah. because they yep. can't check their ID. Yep. Just say you're with yep. the DJ. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding this crate so I can't get in my wallet right now. And then yep. there's four other people behind me. Yep. Oh, how can I? I can't. I'm carrying this records. I can't put my. I can't get my wallet out. Exactly. It's like that was like how you get the 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 underage homies and the homies that had like legal issues in. <laughs> um, that's how you would get like. We used to bring our little personal alcohol in in the yeah, crate, right. like dip it in the crate. So yeah, it's like a different thing now. Um, and yeah, situations like. Not just getting to the club with 10 crates, going home from the club at 3 a.m. with 10 crates, Fuck. bringing them all inside your house, Man. being the DJ. And I was this DJ who was just like, went to see a female at 3 a.m. after the club. I was like, I can leave my records in my car. It's good. Ain't it? Who's going to break in and steal some records? Some dope fiends. Yes. Who's going to break? Anyone. Yeah. Losing, losing can't go, like can't five go crates. Grab a, grab a bite to eat? No, you know, bro. You gotta be, no. You got to be worried all no, the time. And, 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 and you learn that with a laptop quick, too. Like... I, I, I literally left my car for five minutes and left my laptop inside to go get paid from a promoter from an old party. I went to Pink, which is which was then called Soam on 16th. And, oh, shit. Um, it's yeah. called Pink now? 16th. Well, it was originally called, it was called Pink, and then before that, it was called Fluid. That spot has been, Fluid. right now, it's called, uh, what's it called now? Um, I threw a party there. I'm going to go forget. It's still a club. Uh, Slate. Called oh, that's right. Yeah, that's the, the old same. Soam, huh? That's the old Soam. When Hakobo yeah. bought it, it was Soam. Before that, it was called Liquid, and some like weird Russian dudes owned it. And then before that, it, oh no, it was called Pink. When the Russian dudes owned it, before that, it was a spot called Fluid, and it used to be like, I'm mean, we talking about like the early mid '90s. It was like really cutty because yeah. like. 16th emission is still a little grimy. Yeah, you gotta like, yeah, you gotta move different out there. You gotta wear different colors out. You, yeah, and also just like the, the now drug still. activity. Yes. Like I remember walking into fluid and like walking in the door and looking to my right and there was like a dude smoking crack, like inside the clip. And I was just like, Okay. This <laughs> is where we at, right? Yeah, this, we turn it up tonight, I guess. Um so yeah, I remember I just I literally double parked in front of the club. And again, this is the club I just described, so you probably not gonna be surprised that I got got, but Ran inside. I told the promoter I was coming. He's like, come through. I got your money. Ran inside. Found him at the DJ booth. Ran back out. Literally three minutes. And my, 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 my window was popped. Shit. And I'm glad I didn't catch the dude because it was like, I could have probably, he was somewhere nearby. Or yeah. the, whoever stole was somewhere nearby. And I was driving around the block and I, li- I had my gun. I would have killed him. So I was just like. Probably better off. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm glad I didn't catch him. He got a laptop. I'm upset, but I was so angry. Yeah. You I, I probably with you on that time. Yeah, like sometimes you sometimes the door closes and that's what you need and that door yeah. closed and, and i also learned a lesson like i never it's still wild never leave my life i might be running to the corner store to get a to get something i still yes even if i'm t- dead tired after a long gig i put my my shit on and i go in because i because it's you just asking for it especially in frisco it's easier to put a backpack on than carrying crates right? <laughs> that's true too that's true too and right? it's a, and yeah it's a, that's true too I still have my records. Um, I'm in a situation right now where um, my my place I live is being renovated, uh-huh. so I had to move out for like two months, and um, I had to box up all my records. And my, my parents were like, "How many records you got?" I was like, "I don't know, <laughs> a couple <laughs> boxes, all or two. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I knew I had a lot, but I had to box them and kind of count them, and I have near ten thousand records still Ooh. for someone that never doesn't play records. Yeah. So, and I've lost thousands, so I'm just like, fuck. What like, are you gonna do with it? I mean, I have it in storage. I'm gonna theoretically, I'm gonna thin it out. I yeah. definitely there's some records that are like 
you could get really rid of. valuable to yeah. me or really valuable monetarily that I want to hold on to. But I have a lot of like those promo records that yeah. the labels used to send me. One-offs. Yeah, yeah. one-offs or like, you know, triples of some like, you know, Little Random John and the Eastside Side Boys record that I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't need three copies. I might not even need one copy. Yeah. So I'm going to over, over I, I started doing little sales during quarantine. I was doing little sort of spaced out safe sales where people, the cool thing is there's this whole new generation of 20 something DJs that want to do, that want to do vinyl and want to That's DJ good. on. They want to get it yeah. from the gutter, right? They want to get it from the. Yeah. And they really, and they want to the like, dirt. they're not into like mainstream music. You know, it's kind of the opposite of what I think a lot of us would assume that yeah. is happening. We're like, oh, everyone's on controllers playing like whatever fucking pop music is out. But that does exist. But I think there's always like things exist in, in, in contradistinction to yeah. one another. So because that exists, I think there's a lot of Gen Z people that are searching for like a more authentic type of vibe and they're they're like like I saw when 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 MF Doom died, I saw all these young kids. I used to work at Youth Radio in Oakland uh -huh. with a lot of these like 18, 19 year old kids and they were heartbroken about MF Doom and I was like, how do you know about MF Doom? And they're like, bro, that's real rap. We don't listen to this like this like trap shit. We listen to like real lyrical shit. And I'm like, wow, like, that's yes. A, I mean, kind of because I'm more into like the trap shit these days. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I think it's dope because that was the spirit I had when I was yeah. that age. I was like, I don't want to be in the mainstream music like. I think that's a healthy place for like people that are starting out in the game to be yeah. rather than just absorb into what's popular to kind of go against it. That's a natural like yeah. teenager, 20 something vibe. I think as you get older, you start to just appreciate good music, whether it's popular, whether not, it's underground, yeah. whether it's mainstream. You don't be like, oh, if it's on Cameo, I don't listen to it, you know, because there's some good shit on Cameo. Yeah. There's also some whack shit on Cameo. But um, but I think that's a healthy place for like Gen Z type age, you know, 18 to 22 year old DJs to be is to be like, I really want to explore underground music i want to get into like making beats with a rolling 404 mm. you know that whole vibe and i'm i think it's dope because yeah. i think those kids they'll they'll, they'll evolve and change they want um, they want to do vintage yeah, yeah yeah and that's what that's what we want to do when we started djing that's what i want to do when i started yeah. djing like i want it to be different from everything else you know i want to be underground yeah. i want to like break you records beatles tracks during your set Really? A Beatles track. Did I? You was oh, really? You, you, would throw, you, you would just, I don't know. I I, I remember a couple of the venues. I'm like, they're playing the Beatles right now. I was like. That's crazy. Like, let it be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Does it sound like a move you would make? Like, let it be? Possibly, yeah. I definitely, uh, I, I definitely would like, there was an era too when like, uh, rock was kind of like becoming kind of cool again in, the, mm. in like the urban music scene. Um. Uh, Mark Ronson was big on that. Yeah. Like Mark Ronson would play at New York at this club called Speed, and Jay Z would go there. And like that's when Jay Z started like bringing th those Lincoln elements. Park and yeah, shit. yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like you know you go to a club and DJs would play like some classic rock and also like some of the newer dancier stuff that was made for clubs like The Rapture um, and other kind of groups like that, kind of like dance rock. But um, yeah, man. Um, I, yeah, I don't I don't know about the Beatles. I might have, but yeah, I definitely. Like I said, I like to like kind of keep people like on their toes yeah I, I just didn't want to be predictable like i didn't want to be like i know the club would go up if i played this song right now but i don't want to do it i don't want to play beautiful by snoop dogg again you know uh, like it's a great in song the club by 50 cent yeah it's like <laughs> i don't care what your birthday bitch yeah it's like there's other no birthday shorty, songs you know it's your birthday <laughs> you know? Oh. some of that is maturing as a dj like some like as i've gotten older like maybe some people might say i sold out the way i look at it is like I've come to understand that like getting the crowd on your side also yeah. allows you to like take them to yeah, places you want to take them. Yeah. If you're very oppositional, like I want to play nothing you want to hear because I'm hella underground, yeah. 
the crowd's like, fuck you, man. We came to dance. Yeah. Like, we're, like, I work all day. I work all week. And I get my Friday nights to get fucked up and dance. And you won't play 50 Cent. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a little selfish. You know what I mean? So I think I've learned how to, like, yeah. balance that out I mean, you can't, time. you can't please everybody. You definitely can't please no. everybody. I no. DJed a gig last week on Sunday. And I found out, like, literally, I had someone be like, hey, can you play some bachata? And I was like, yeah, let me see what I can do. The next person came up. Hey, can you play, like... That new song about the Filmo by um, Showbanger, and I'm like, let me see what I could do next. Literally, like three seconds later, someone came up like, do you have any like that Ronsky Ronsky song? Yeah, the Ronsky song. <laughs> I, I love I love that record. They'd be like, they came up to me like, do you have any house music? And I was just like, it's literally like all over the place. Yeah. Every single person wanted to hear a different genre, yeah. um, especially in this era, you know, because yeah. people have so much access. They have a Spotify playlist yes. for every different genre. And Pete, crowds are more educated about, they know more music. It yeah. used to be like they would come and the DJ had all the music. And now I have people request songs I've never heard of. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I got that. I'm like, Google this shit real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get on the Wi-Fi and download a fucking YouTube of this song real quick. Is that quick. on the oh, C this side? Oh, pretty good, yeah. That's on the C side or the D side? Yeah, was on the <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's just a different era. And I think, like, there was an era where the DJs were entrusted with being the masters of music. And it just doesn't make sense in 2021. Like, anyone with a Spotify account, anyone with an Apple and Music account is, has the ability to stream as much music or more than yeah. even yeah. the most music head DJ. So... It's about having, to me, I, this is uh, a conversation always morphs into like, what is a DJ? And you guys didn't even ask me this, but but yeah, I think it's like really about like, are you a DJ that like really puts yourself on a certain, like I play classics, I play old shit, mm. you know, or am I a DJ that plays all the current hot shit? And if you're in that lane, you just have to realize you're gonna be in a nightclub with people that are 15 years younger than you that know more new hot shit than you do. Yeah. They know the newest yeah. dude from East Oakland that's got a super big buzz because he dropped a song on YouTube that you've never even heard of. And if you play the song right now because you're playing in Oakland, the, the club's gonna go crazy and you yeah. have no idea that song exists. Like that was never a reality for DJs in like even 20, 2010. So it's just a different era, and if you if you want to be a DJ that's like current, then you got then you have to have more of like a it's more of an equal relationship with the audience. You gotta be I think. on it. You gotta be super on it, but even yeah. if you're super on it, you're not gonna know. Yeah, there's just too much. There's like a new hit Access song every day. Is everything, you know. Yeah, what I mean? bro. Like I'm friends with Gazi from Empire, and Gazi is Godzilla. Like, yeah, he has an amazing ability to like spot these new artists that are coming out. But even Gazi, it's like someone will have a song and it'll have a buzz, and then in that process of them being like, okay, let's sign this artist and give them a distribution deal and we'll start working on an album. 20 other artists underneath that artist from their same their same Me neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to come up. So, I remember Gazi when he was on third across from Hard Knocks. Yes, I recorded all my early mixtapes there, all my Soul Deluxe mixtapes. Gino, uh, Gino, you know, remember, you know Gino, right? He should have shared a space with him. Simone and Gino. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Gino's yeah. the homie, yeah. Yeah, Gino had the record pool there yes. initially. Yep. <laughs> and then he moved, but then he moved down to like South City. Yeah. He, he had like a big warehouse and stuff. Yeah, Gino's the homie. What Gazi, up, Gino? Gazi engineered a, a mixtape I did for, for some friends on some like, here, uh, 100 bucks. And I was like, dope. Thanks, Gaz. Yeah. Hey, clean me up. You know what I mean? Make it, make it nice for so me. So you are a DJ. I knew it. I'm not. I knew I'm it. Not. I knew it. He's a DJ. You say I'm you not. just said you made a mixtape, bro. That, that's, 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 some, that's some shit a DJ would do, right? I help it facilitate. Is. You know, oh, okay. it's oh, okay. homies rap, homies make, oh, okay. make beats, and I just. So you like a Puff Daddy type of guy. Yeah, you like take that. Quarterback dude. <laughs> but no, nah, but Gazi, I was doing these mixtapes called Soul Deluxe that were like very like underground soul. <laughs> and Gazi used to be like, because he worked with a lot of rappers, yeah. you know, like he worked like with, with Frisco rappers and I would just come up. Federation. Yeah. And he'd be like, he'd be like, 
this music's cool, Sake. He's like, well, what do you call this? And I'm like, it's like soul. It's like when Neo Soul was coming out. He's like, you know what? This is really cool. It's like a, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I could tell he was like, I don't listen to this shit at all. Nah. Uh, but I, you know that, like for me, that was like my lane. I didn't want to put out mixtapes like everyone else was doing with like all the latest rap songs. So I focused on underground soul and some of the underground artists like Guapale, you know, Kev Choice, different artists coming out of the Bay, and that that worked for me um, by having my own my own lane. But I remember Gazi. Local twelve hundreds. Yeah, local twelve hundred. And just funny last thing about Gazi, I remember him being like. Yeah, man, I, um, I'm thinking about starting a record label. And I was like, I got an even better idea, Ghazi. I was like, take all your money out of the bank in, like, cash and put it in the middle of the street and, like, set it on fire. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's how good an, I, I, uh, that's how good of an idea starting a record label is. And look at Ghazi now, bro. He's, I'm glad he didn't listen to me because he's, he's it got... Took a, it took a minute, though, right? It did, it did yeah. yeah. He, him, him and Hannah were working hard for a minute. You yes. know what I mean? They, yeah. it, it took a minute. And not, not to derail but from But now Ghazi. he's like a... He's like a He's like one of the, the most dude. important dudes in like the industry nationally, not just in, not just in Cali, yeah. But um, when, like I said, when I worked at Camiel, um, we, we, me, Phil, uh, shout out to homie Tone Def, shout out to J Tone Plus. Yeah. We did a we did a party called Free Ninety Nine, and then you, us, not being on the same radar. This is like MySpace days. Yeah. You did a party at at club six called free 99 whoops and then thing is tone reached that's out. where the beef started <laughs> yeah I can, I can tell you this much i don't remember that party but i can tell you this much that party was not a party i threw i dj'd at it but i'm pretty sure i didn't throw it but this is what the thing though. okay and 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 and, 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 and <laughs> way to cover yourself way to cover yourself. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just saying like yeah, he kept he kept it a buck with him you know what yeah. i mean and th this this is where this is where it, it kind of went and then this is why I, i've always fucked with you like even though like we met just like really really met just recently, but I really focused you because um, Tone, because uh, Tone knew you, meet you like more than I knew you. And Tone goes, you know what? Let me holler at him, and uh, let me let me let him know. So he let you, he let you know, and your reply to him was like, it's not polite to bite. He goes, all good, don't worry about it. Next party won't be called that. And I was like, yeah, straight up, solid as fuck. It's Wait, so you guys, oh, we had the party before you? No, we had the party first. So I said it's not polite to bite to you? Yeah. Well, and, and, that's and, not a cool answer, Dan, because... Yo, fuck that you shit. Yeah, like, I mean, if y'all if if had the name first, we should. I should have been like, that's on y'all, and we'll change the name. And, and that, that's what you said, but you okay. were saying it's not polite for y'all to bite oh, okay. our okay. shit. Okay. But thing is, we were two different, because we were the Jiggy crowd. <laughs> okay. We Got were it. Jiggy, and then, you know, we were like... Was at Club Six? What, yeah, whatever not Angel yet. let you play, right? Yeah, not, not Jiggy. Club not, Six was not no, Jiggy. No, it, it was grimy. I mean, we had it moments, but yeah, it was not. Sister was Nancy would be playing. Ours was a Berlin game at Blush. Okay. Oh, Blush, yeah. Yeah. It was Jiggy Crowd, you know. Uh, we played the Jiggy Crowd, and it was it was a, some free shit. But yeah. like that showed me how solid you were. And then the next time I met you, though, but, but did I change the name of the party? Yes, you did. Okay, that's be, what's be, up. because you were like, "Hey, my bad, yeah. didn't mean to do that." And it was like, "Okay, so that means it was your party." <laughs> I don't remember throwing it, but like I threw a lot of parties back then. I, I have a feeling it was a party that I was DJing at yeah. that I wasn't throwing. But if I if I made the call to change the name, then sure but I did. Also, I also could have called the promoters and been like, "Hey, there's another party. Can we change?" I the get name? it now. Gus brought you here because he wanted to <laughs> yeah. say that to you. Why? It's finally yeah. he finally got it off the yeah. <laughs> But I, I never got Someone to tell just you turned that. Turn the lights off. I think I'm about to get marked out. <laughs> yeah. No, but the the fact that I I never got to 
to thank you to, to show you how solid you were for that because you didn't really know us. We were a jiggy party. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 a community. You know what I mean? Straight up. And, and I always feel that way. And I'm also someone who's always been like very vocal about being original and not biting because that's the era I come from. You built different, bro. Like well, that's what I'm saying. You real Frisco. Yeah, but you know I'm just saying, like, if I'm gonna be someone that talks about other people biting, and then I'm in a situation where someone else is like, "Hey, you're, you, this party's named the same thing mine is," then we beat then you I'd like six super, months. I'd you be, know what I mean? Yeah, but even still, I'd be a hypocrite. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I definitely don't want to be that. So I'm glad that at least in that case, I did the right thing. Super solid. <laughs> super solid. And then I remember us, uh, like you DJ, you DJ, you DJ at a lot of clubs that were like, "Whoa, this is lightweight sketch." Like, remember club. Uh, What's that club two 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 on Hyde Street? Yeah, yeah. Right in in the mark of the L's. You know what I mean? Like in the know that that club is was called the Black Hawk in like the thirties, forties, fifties, and it was like a legendary jazz club. There's a there's one of the most looks like it's been like yeah, not no more. I mean, like what he's saying, like literally, there was like like a dr- open air drug market yeah. in front of the club. Yes. But, um, and it was cutty. Like you go in and it was like, you almost feel like you were going to hit your head if you're uh-huh. going in the back room. But um, yeah, there's a seminal, one of the great live jazz recordings of all time is Miles Davis live at the Blackhawk. And it was what? recorded. Was there. At, at that club? It's at that club. And my uncle was at that showing. And my uncle was like, my parents had a copy of it. And he used to be like, Put it on side B. He's like, put the needle to the middle. And there's one part, like, at the end of the song, it's a live recording, so you hear people clapping, and someone in the back's like, yeah, groovy. And he, my uncle's like, that was me. That was me. <laughs> he's, that was like, he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I was so high, man. I smoked some out. My uncle's like, he's like, I smoked some Maui Wowie, man. I was so high, and I was so geeked to see Miles Davis, bro. It was so cool. He's like, that I just yelled, but now, you know, now I'm on the, I think that album won, like, a Grammy or something for like live recording. It's like it's a seminal jazz. It's yeah. an amazing Yeesh. album. But yeah, that's that's that that building. It's obviously was much bigger than the oh, space yeah. we're in, but like that oh, building yeah. was two twenty two high. Um, and that yeah, that club itself. Yeah, I've DJed some really sketchy shit. Ooh, bro, I DJed at um a, a club. I was trying to have sex with a stripper. And this is like around. Don't two, we all? Yeah. It's about two thousand. Just one club. <laughs> <laughs> well, she talked me into this party, and she was like, "It's two, at Two Shorts House," and I was uh, like, "Oh, it's lit. Let's do it." Yeah. Um, it was not a Two Shorts House, and <laughs> it was, it was a guy named Two Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it was a drug dealer dude, and yeah. there was like not really anyone there, and there was like a lot of like, it looked like sex for money was happening. Yeah. I was always sure. I did get paid, but I was like, she was like, yeah, come spin for a couple hours. And I was like, did you get paid in money? <laughs> I got paid in money. <laughs> I get paid in, uh, in Puntang. Yes. Um, it was like, yes. uh, three in the morning. And I was like, yo, I'm getting ready to go. And dude, like pulled out a gun and was like, you ain't going nowhere, homie. Yeah. You, and I literally, got you for the night. yeah, I literally, it was like, I'm kidnapped like I'm being like a hostage okay, DJ situation. Okay, what do you want to hear, bro? Yeah, I was like, I mean, how many DJs can say they've been in a hostage DJ situation? He's like, look at me, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the, nowhere. Promo- I'm the promoter now. Yeah. Nowhere, <laughs> sir. I am your nowhere. boss now. Yeah. I was, and that was very sketchy. But yeah, I've DJed some sketchy spots. With, and just derailing because you're real Frisco head, top three taquerias, and you don't have to include Ooh, any of the yeah. homies. Okay. Just, just for fairness, <laughs> top three taquerias. Okay, first of all, I want to be very clear that Disclaimer. Um, I'm vegan. And I've, and I've been vegan for, I'll be four years on the 15th. Congratulations. Nice. June, June 15th, yeah. Um, and I've been vegetarian since I was like 12. 
So, yeah, really? But, yeah, bro. Like, Karis one was like, I'm a vegetarian. I was like, I am too. Yeah, yeah. Like, my mom was like, give me one reason. I'm like, Karis one. Aren't She's you like, Jewish? I'm Jewish too, yeah. So, I don't y'all know. Make a, y'all make so, a fucking brisket, though. Yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had brisket. Brisket's amazing. <laughs> Never had pork. Don't know what it tastes like. So, that was very easy to give up. Um, but, yeah, like, so, you know, you talk to real taco experts and they'll be like, yeah, if you don't eat meat, you're not really... But but for veggie tacos, still La Taqueria on Mission, it, they're amazing. Like, right? Like, like they. Do you get them crunchy though? Or you get them soft? No, I get the soft. I get the okay. soft. But Ray, the dude that works there, is like the OG. Um, Always yeah. of G's. Yeah, he. I feel like he kills it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess like as I've gotten older, I've been become more of a burrito person. Farolito still to me is the best burritos. Like, and they still maintain like they're still less than ten dollars. Yeah, you go places now. I'm 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 from I'm old enough. I remember when it was like four fifty for a burrito. We were just a talking about burrito. that last podcast. Like, super burrito was four fifty. Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you get the chips for free. Yeah, you get all, all the salsa you want. Like that was Farolito, and I think I feel like now it's like eight or nine bucks, which is still if you think about it, like you're getting a hell of food. It, I get mad when people charge for chips. Like, you charging for chips? Like, bro. Like, come on. Yeah, we like, charging for chips? It's just sitting back it's, there. It's just, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sit back there getting stale. You know yeah. they stale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then they charge you and you take them home and they're hella stale. But, yeah, I, you know, those are two of my favorites. Um, there is an amazing place in Oakland that I I know for sure they make meat. They're, they're, they're famous for their meat tacos. It's called Tacos Oscar. Uh, you guys should Oscar. definitely check them out. They're amazing because I had his vegan tacos um, at a wedding party I went to. They were like mushroom based, and I was like, mind blown. They were so good, and people were like, "Oh, you don't know about Oscar, bro? This dude, this fool's got the best tacos." And he's like, he's popping out in Oakland, like he's like you have to wait in line. It's like off 40th. You know, is it a truck or is it a? He has a spot. He started as a truck. He has a spot now. um, Because the town's known for their trucks. Yeah, town and trucks are like the trucks all down East 14th. Like, yeah, I don't know them well enough, but like I've been to a lot of those, and those are the best. Like, if you go after, especially after a club, and there's like. Prostitutes in line. There's like club uh-huh. people in line. There's like you know it's good. And you're just like you're, it's just like it's Off worth the, it for just like the ambiance. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like there might be a living in a taco and a fish taco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> it's a party now. Oh boy, but yeah, um, yeah, that's 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 my thing. Um, the, the, I'm not really a taco expert, but yeah, those are my those are my three favorite tacos. Um, I'm a I'm a lumpia guy. I'm gonna be hey. honest with you. I'm gonna keep it real with you. Like very into lumpia and. Have found a lot of really good veggie and vegan lumpia. Um, I know, I know, I know. You guys are like they're supposed to have pork in them. Nick's is good. Um, Also, um, uh, 16th and South Venice. um, Irma's. Irma's. She has them, but she'll like she has to thaw them out usually. The veggie ones. Um, The veggie ones. Um, Irma's Papanga. uh, Yeah, Irma's Papanga. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I used to. I used to meet my boy E there. R.I.P. We used to link up there and 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 chill. And she'd always be like, "You you want the vegetarian ones?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "She just have to thaw them out, but they'll be hella good." She throw them in the fire, hella good. Um, Lumpia Company has decent ones. They're cool. Um, And yeah, there's one other spot that has really good vegan lumpia. I'm trying to remember. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I would call myself more of a lumpia connoisseur. I don't know about connoisseur, but that's probably my favorite food it's funny that you say lumpia and just just transitioning because that's filipino there was a yes i'm aware there was a movie (laughs) that you mentioned was it called the uh one of your favorite movies is a wrestling of leaves tell me about wow (laughs) 
Wow, that's crazy. That debut. I'm shooting. I'm shooting right now from half for Cliff Court right now. Very swish. <laughs> swish. Lillard. Yeah, no, I've mentioned that a couple times, but not recently. But yeah, like, I've, I've it mentioned. Called? It's called a rustling of leaves. Like, you know, the noise yeah, rustling. Yeah. It's about the revolution in the Philippines. Ooh, and it was yeah. a movie I saw. It's You can see it on YouTube. It's intense because, I mean, the, the revolution in the Philippines yeah. is really intense. And, like, over a long period of time. So it's like, it really breaks down, like, Obviously, from the side of the people that are in revolt, but it, it, you really get a sense from like inside of it. The, the the filmmakers were given access. They obviously they got the trust of the rebels, so yeah. they were like allowed to kind of embed with them. And um, for me, as a young person, seeing that when I was like spy was spy's dad actually shout out to spy one TMC, but too um, much confusion. The McDonald's cheeseburger, <laughs> the most the most crushingest. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, like, Spy's dad, Doug, who, you know, Doug Norberg, who was also a Muni, Muni driver, but he um, politicized a lot of us Frisco kids and, like, gave us exposure to a lot. of. He ran Collision Course Media, so he had this amazing DVD library. So he was one of the first Pre-YouTube kids. Way pre-YouTube. Come on, he, man. He, he was, you, he was you, Frisco he was YouTube. YouTube. He was he Frisco was YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. And it was, like, that's how, like, some of the early Frisco hip-hop documentaries, like Dirt Style... And Malicious Mischief got made. Well, Malicious Mischief was more TMF. Um, but, um, but yeah, like Spy made Dirt Style. And that was some of the first footage of Q-Bird, Board Stiff, all these different people in the, Fris in the Frisco hip-hop scene. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, being the son, Spy being the son of a, of a, of a bus driver who, who was also someone who was a, vi a videographer and had this amazing video collection that played a role because, you know, Spy had access to the editing machines, all that kind of stuff. So Doug is this amazing person who I think someone needs to That's join. not Doug One we're talking about, right? No, no, no. Doug okay. Norberg, yeah. Doug One also a very important person. Um, but but yeah, D Doug was is Spy's father, his his actual dad. Um, and and I feel like we need to have a documentary on him. But yeah, he was the first person I think who who showed me told me about a rustling of leaves. So I didn't even know there was a revolution in the Philippines. So then I'm like learning all this about the revolution and also also about all the different islands in the Philippines mm -hmm. and the different communities of people and there's Muslims in the South and all this and I was like I don't know any of this shit so it was like really mind-blowing for me but as I got older actually when I went to college I wanted to be a filmmaker I wasn't my, my thing was like I want to do documentary films and so that movie was a very big influence on me early where I was like that's the kind of movie I want to make that like can change someone's life yeah. you know what I mean because it changed my life when I saw it Oh no, Lumpia anywhere in that movie. No Lumpia anywhere in the. <laughs> so where are you at? Where are you at with a documentary now? I mean, I haven't thought about making a movie in hella long. I just my life took twists and turns. You know what I mean? Love to help. I never planned to be. Free ninety nine is going to offer their help for that documentary. Let's let's get some going. Let's I, get I, going. I have lots of ideas. I've had lots of ideas. Like the one I just said, like Doug Norberg. Like it would be like his influence. I think we need to do something for Spy. You know what I mean? Like we got a videographer. Right yeah, now. <laughs> like I feel like Spy's life needs to be chronicled. I'm a very big, especially now as I get older and we're losing more people, about giving people their roses while they're still yeah. here. And I think about all the people that were important to me in Frisco and being close to being an understudy of Mike Dream yeah. and being around Mike, but just being intimidated by him because he was such a like Mike was like not humble. He was like he wasn't like a dick, but he wasn't like Mike was looked at as like a style king. And like, a little John. 
yeah, John is super humble. Yeah. But like, but Mike was just like, he knew he was the shit because he was. Yeah. But he was hella cool to people, but he he would roast your ass. He'd hella make fun of you. And I'd be like, Mike, what's up? He's like, Sake, you you still whack at tagging, bruh? I'd be like, fuck, bruh. Yeah, like, still, but I'm here, cash. though. Like, like, yeah, but I'm here, though. <laughs> yeah, like when it came from Mike, it just like hurt. But like that so was So cash him. is not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, yeah. 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 Tell me not to do the two, one line through the ass. Yeah. Two lines through the ass. One line, two lines. One yeah, line, yeah, two yeah. Line. yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot. We've talked about Mike a lot since he's passed, and a lot has been done for him. We do Dream Day every year. What's up, Killy Bo? Yeah, what's up, Akil? Like a lot of stuff. A lot, a lot. TDK has kept his memory alive, but I also, I also wish that like we had thought to record all his shenanigans and how funny he was. Like, there's little video clips of him, but like, bro, that dude was so funny. Like, mm. I really wish someone had really sat down with him and been like. Mike, what's up with these weak-ass taggers? You know what I mean? Just, like, set him up for him to just knock it over the fence because, like, he was such a roaster, bro. Like, he was just, like, talking shit about people constantly. And it would have been nice to have that. And with Shock G passing, and Shock kept to himself. And obviously... That one hurt for real. That one hurt so that different. That one hurt. Different. That one hurt. They are different, and it was in a way that I was like, whoa, fuck. This dude was, like, connected to everyone I know. Like, fused, Too close to home. Way close to home. And so... It's so young, you know what I mean? Like, so young. I mean, yeah, so, you know, those are the kind of things that, in terms of documentary, I think about a lot in terms of, like, storytelling about people, especially in the Bay, because we're different from L.A. and New York. Like, we don't get that. We, we provide our own hype. We're our own hype engine. We're our whole universe. We're our you whole know everything. I mean? Yeah, and I feel like... Ecosystem. Yeah, like, I feel like, why hasn't there been a, a documentary... Why hasn't there been a movie made about E-40? Yeah. As important and as influential as he is, he's a god out here. And, like, they'll, they've done that for, like, the East Coast dudes and mm -hmm. for the L.A. dudes, but, like, we don't have the infrastructure... We, we don't dick ride out here, which is yeah. which is what's great about us. But I feel like let's dick the ride. They kind of hates on each other. We hate in on each sense. other. Yeah, yeah, but it's like let's dick ride E forty so that he has his flowers. So there's a document so that, of course, our kids are gonna know about E forty. But what about our kids, 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 kids? Like as important as he is. So like yeah, that's those are the things I think about in terms of documentaries, like documenting important shit historically. Yeah. That um, especially I feel about Frisco, like as as some of our the people like Doug one. You know, people like Spy start to hit their 50s, 60s, start to get old. You know what I mean? Like, then it's just going to be like word of mouth Young shit. Ethan. Joke. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we we, we, we got to be careful about hey, putting the government hey, names with the tag sorry. names. But yeah, like, yeah. Nah, nah. You, you're good. I was almost followed up with the <laughs> Shout out to Ethan. Love you, boy. But yeah, like, you know, like all these people that have like put in so much work and have really influenced. And I see it because I'm involved with... I work in SFUSD, so I'm involved with kids, and I see directly how the culture that we put down in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s is carried on. Like, you know, a lot of these kids, their parents were involved. They were B-boys or, like, DJs or breakers or scratch DJs or used to, we used to party with Shortcut on Templeton yeah. Street, you know what I mean? Whatever the Easy case. with the temp side. <laughs> TSM, bro. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, like, you know, like, these stories, I think, to me, and sometimes I'm like, maybe no one cares. You know, maybe. But when I see Shortcut, I'm like, bro, you're like a god to me. John's like, still doing it. Yeah, but he's like, it's not just that he's still doing it. It's like, it's like he was that dude, bro. Like, all through the 90s, like, people in Germany and Japan, like, studied his his, I think his he still patterns. is that dude, though. He still is that yeah, dude. That's his bootleg right there. Nah, he's, he kind of, yeah. Nah, he's, he's, he's always going to be that dude, but I, but I just feel like. Humble as fuck. It would be it's super humble, yeah. but to, to the point where, like, I wish he'd be less humble. I wish he'd be like, I am that dude, yeah. bro. 
Fuck y'all, I'm short. Show your nuts a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, but but I feel like he's not that dude, so it would be nice if someone did that for him, either in the form of a movie, whatever, a TV series talking about like the important cultural figures in the Bay Area Mm. hip hop scene. Maybe just something for y'all to do because y'all y'all already have a a well known Mm. brand, and it sounds like you guys are good with the cameras. I think the what's missing though in the Bay Area, like our, our music is there, is like. The hip hop, the the DJ scene in the Bay Area is never, is never really like talked about how important it is. Our music yep. in the Bay is good because of our DJs. You know what I mean? We got the best. To me, we got the best DJs in the world. Still. Come on! Like Philly, Philly can make a case. New York, of course, is where it started. But to me, and I really believe this is not like biased. Champion yeah. sound. You know We're, what I mean? Like DJ for DJ, whether it's Scratch DJs, Party Rocket, we got the best. Like Frisco is. 800,000 people, 900,000 people, and we got more dope DJs here than cities that are three, four times our size. So, Hell and yeah. Then, and we got the track where we got, we've got DMC, we've got ITF, which come on. is Frisco-based. Yes, and, come but, on. But we invited people from all over the world to come and get their ass waxed. Join this federation, DJs. you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, get come, come out here and waxed. get your fucking shit handed to you by a Frisco DJ, but... Not just that, but like, you know, we have reggae DJs, we have house DJs, like David Harness, like David Harness, yeah, your mama's like, house. Come yeah. on now. I mean, we have DJs, I, I feel like our DJs stand up to anybody in the world. And and yeah, I think that is important and it relates it relates to the um to the to how good our music is and how popping our music scene is. And I was realizing this when you said this, no one has really covered how dope our DJ scene Come is on. since fucking Dominique Dupreme a home turf. Bro. Oh, oh shit! Like, cause that was my first time seeing Apollo. That's what Apollo looks like. Yeah. He's got a ponytail. What the fuck? <laughs> Google what home turf is, fuckers. Cause if you don't know what Dominique that is, Dupreme. yeah, and that was she's too young us. for you. And that was just for us. That like that was like us. like on local us. TV, and, and it was for us to look at our own hip hop scene, and it was huge. I always, when I see Dominique, I say thank you because like that. Oh, you still see her in around? I haven't seen her in years. She's in LA. I haven't seen her in years, but like I saw her in LA like 10 years ago and I was just like, that ability for me as a young person in the scene to see our scene was like, it was like a mirror. Like if you don't look in the mirror, you don't know what you look like. And I was like, this is what we look like? Filipino dancers on the the show starting off the shit. Oh my God. Yeah, we're sick. Cause all, all, the only other thing I could look at was your TV raps. Yeah. And I was just like these New York dudes. And I was like, yo, we got Filipinos out here that are better. You know what I mean? Come on. So, so I just feel like it's really important. Like, that we have that ability. I'm just obviously I'm into individuals and it's a documentary, but I think it would be important to have that ability to to continue to tell that story. And you know we're we're about to uh, about to wrap it up. One more thing, sure. like on on some stuff. Kids will never know about Psycho City. No, yeah, well, well damn. I mean, Psycho City two. Um, there was Psycho City one, Psycho City two, but yeah, that that was the where was two at across the street. It was across. It was that parking lot. If you go across Market. They, people just called it Psycho 2. That was like, I always was like, we can come up with a better name than this. Psycho City such a great name. Yes. I was like, we could do better than Psycho City 2. Yeah, the remix. But yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> more Psycho, more City. <laughs> but um, but yeah. They put a dollar sign in the Psycho. <laughs> See, they're trying to roast me. They're trying to roast me now. They're trying to roast me We love this shit. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to roast me We're paying me attention. That's, that's all it is. We're taking notes. But yeah, Psycho City, that was, uh, you know, 13th and, well, it was Market and... Goth, but they called it 13th and what was the street? The little alley that ran behind it, 13th and Elizabeth, or it's like a. I can't even remember. Oh, by the way, quick, really quick. I know we gotta please, stop. All please. those, all those, all those streets in Soma named like Minna, Elizabeth, um, Natoma, Annie. Did you know those are all named after prostitutes? 
Hey! What? Yeah. When Frisco, yes. during the gold rush, yes. all those SRO buildings, it was all single dudes that came here to pair for gold. So, well, either either wow. prostitutes or madams, but like Clementina, all those streets are named after women. I like that yeah. shit. Yo, yo, this whole city, bro. <laughs> Maiden Lane, and then it just kept Maiden, going down. Yeah, from Maiden, there. I didn't even trip off Maiden Lane. Yeah, that <laughs> that might be. But yeah, like all those Soma streets, um, which also was Manila Town for a long for a long yeah. period of time. Come on. Yeah, um, those before that, you know, I'm talking about 1850s, 1860s. There were there, that was where. The single wow. men that left their families from the Midwest or from China or from wherever to come. For we're, gold. A, that was, we're a port city, so it yeah. could be like navies yeah. coming in, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, Mind and, blown. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, we all used to party yeah. on those streets, right? Yeah. There's clubs. Yeah. There was a club on Annie Street that was called like 23 Annie. Remember? Like uh, Paz Red used to DJ there. I forget. But anyway. No one know about Paz Red. World class DJ. Come on now. World class, like Paz Red. He don't get his flowers. Nah, he, he, need he to get don't get his flowers. He need to get his flowers. Shout out to Pause Red. Pause Red. AJ Scratch, a.k.a. Supreme. Shout out to all the Frisco DJs. <laughs> Supreme before Supreme was Supreme. Shout out exactly. to AJ, man. AJ Scratch, yeah. AJ, man. Hey, hey have you back job. on again. Because we, I feel like we just touched <laughs> We just barely scratched. Clearly, I like to talk. <laughs> and just just to end it on, on like, uh, not a sour note, but no. just to end it on where it is for you. What don't you like about the club scene right now? I mean, it's hard to say because we haven't had a club scene for like a year and a half. And um, I'm really in a mode right now where I'm excited about things reopening. I'm nervous because I don't want... But you did the the day party for people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were early on that. Uh, You're making me feel bad now. Like, (laughs) I'm like a menace. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There were a lot. There were... Shortcut did one two weeks before us. There was a Mr. E did a Bad Bunny party two weeks. I'm not trying to throw people under the bus, but like they they reached out. Phoenix reached out to me in like February and October both, and we're like, would you like to do a party? And I was like, no, I don't think it's safe. Yeah. So I held off. Um, and I felt like where COVID rates were at now, it was safe for me to do one two weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had concerns. I was supposed to go. It was cool, but it was weird, you know, because it's still yeah. safe. So it's like everyone had to be seated. We're gonna yeah. do we're gonna do another one in, at the end of the summer when it's warm. Okay. Um, and it's yeah, when it's warm. Theoretically, warm. Yeah. yeah, Indian, Indian summer, summer. Yeah, and theoretically, we can do like a thousand people. So do like do it do it do it do it real. And but but yeah. yeah but yeah like I, one thing I'm excited about the club scene is like I think all of the twitching and streaming over um, over the quarantine mm-hmm. allowed DJs to play. Whatever the whatever fuck the fuck they, they wanted, yeah. um, and kind of start to build a brand around that, yeah. like because it's like I saw I watched a few streams. To me, it wasn't I didn't do it that much because I was like, if I don't have a, I'm old. If I don't have a dance floor, I'm like, eh, like people are watching me. Does my hair look weird? You know. <laughs> yeah. But other DJs that were sort of able to transition into it smoothly, I felt like I watched some of their streams, and I'm like, oh, it's really about like them creating a brand for themselves, and the music is part of it, but it's more about cultivating an environment. Like even the Twitch stuff, when people started coming on and playing Among Us, yeah. it was like. I was talking to one of my homies, Candy Rain Segundo, and he I was like, yo, he's like, people are playing Among Us while they come on to my stream. And I'm like, doesn't that bother you? Don't you want them like paying attention to your music? And he's like, no, bro, the streaming thing is you're you're curating a community mm-hmm. and like the mm-hmm. music is part of it, but like the music isn't everything. Yeah. And as hard as that was for to hear me as a music dude, like I feel excited about clubs reopening and being a space where DJs aren't so much like these gods that are put on a platform but are part of like creating a cool environment for yeah. people to come and to ease back into socializing again because I feel like 
some good things can come out of that, like healthier club scenes where women aren't groped, where music is more open, where we, we don't encourage um, binge drinking. Yeah. And then two o'clock, we're sending people home drunk in their cars. Like, mm. I feel like there's a lot that could happen in the club scene to make it more healthy. And I like think- you and have I, a whole experience. Yeah, yeah, that's healthy. You know yeah. what I mean? That's good for you. Like music is good for you, but I feel like sometimes people go to clubs to like let everything out. Yeah. And, and that's not always a healthy environment. And I feel like if DJs have more of, of a, like a caretaking mode mode for people and they're like these people are coming here to spend spend what little money they have and what little time they have with me like set a mode like food and everything yeah Yeah. like curate you know what i mean and i feel like some of that was happening online on twitch in certain cases and i'm excited to see if that continues or if we just go back into full debauchery yeah which we we might do but you know you're down for that too I'm, I'm, I'm always down, but I'm old, so I'm like, I'm I'm probably not gonna be doing a ton of DJing, but like, you know, the spots that I do, I've I've always tried to like make my my spaces about more than just partying. Like that's that's annoyed people, but with PST, we always made them fundraisers. It was a vibe before a vibe was a thing. Yeah, it was always about a vibe, and I never felt comfortable inviting someone to my party if I couldn't guarantee that they would be safe and be comfortable. Yeah. I didn't like being that DJ and having girls come to the DJ booth and being like, oh, hey, you coming to talk to me? They're like, no, I'm coming up here because dudes are grabbing me. Creepy. Yeah, yeah. like, and, and I never felt like that ain't my business. I felt like that is my business. I ma- literally made the flyer for this party and I invited you here. Well, and stop if I playing invited- back your ass up, then. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. That will always stop, do it. Stop playing R&B songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely things you can do with the selections to, like, change the vibe. But, um, I, you know, it's, you know, I feel like a responsibility to, like, make sure that the people I come, like, aren't, you know, I'm always that dude on the mic at the end of the night that's like, if you're drunk, please get an Uber. <laughs> I would literally drive people home because I didn't. I felt guilty, like if someone really drunk was gonna like possibly die because you know. I remember hearing you shout out, uh, "If you're coming with someone that's drunk, that's driving, grab their keys." I I I just think. <laughs> And people used to be like, "Sake, you're doing too much. You're doing too much." (laughs) And I was like, "Maybe I am, but like, I'm just the dude that like I go home." My conscience, like I worry about shit. I can't. I I can't sleep if. And it's different if I was. It's not totally different, but it's a little different if like you threw a party and you invited me to DJ. It's a little more on you. But when I threw my parties, I'm like, I invited you here. You're here because of me. It's like inviting someone to your house and being like, oh, you got raped in the bathroom. Oh, well. (laughs) It's like, no, yeah, that's on you, bro. Like, and, you know, a woman having her ass grabbed, having her pussy groped, like, that's sexual assault legally. And that shit happens rampantly in the nightclubs and throughout the world. And I feel like us, especially as men, we need to start figuring out some ways to do that so that women are safe coming to our club. Because even just on some, like, real shit, like... It's wrong, but even on just on some on some vibe shit, if women don't aren't coming to our clubs, our clubs are gonna Shh. suck. Yeah. So you gotta cater to them. Yeah, the it's time. it's women always have to be at the center of that, mm-hmm. and and for sure they shouldn't be getting sexually groped and assault and harassed yeah. and being called bitch if they don't want to dance. Like that shit ain't cool. And myself as well as a lot of us, we normalize that shit. We're like, oh, that's just dudes being dudes. But a lot of time it's a dude that I know or a dude that I'm close with knows. Yeah. And we have right. to we have to start speaking up. Um, Hell yeah. And also doing what you mentioned, like, you know, figuring out ways to use music to control. Like, if we, if we notice women are feeling uncomfortable <laughs> and we start playing, like, Macaho, Crackaho, like... Macaho, Crackaho. Yeah. What? It's, it's probably not going to... Uh, that shows his Frisco winner, yeah. though. <laughs> it's probably... you didn't know. <laughs> it's, it's probably not going to go... It's probably not going to go... It's probably going to continue to go in a bad direction. So, yeah, that, that's... I guess I'll end with that. Like, to, to, to take more responsibility, and I feel like I'm op- I, I always remain optimistic that... 
as things start to reopen and as clubs start to open, we are missing a lot of a lot of our venues got lost last yeah, year, a lot of our independent sucks, venues. Bro. But I'm also hopeful that like new spots are gonna open. Mm -hmm. And when new spots open, they bring in new DJs. You know, like sometimes DJs have relationships with venues so that why do you keep booking sake every Thursday sake? There's hella DJs. You could book another DJ and as because much as Because he's cool. Yeah. Because we don't wanna we don't have to make a home. Yeah. But it's but it's more like because he's homie and we don't there are probably better DJs or DJs with a bigger draw, but we don't want to fire him because that's awkward. You know, so like new venues will create the opportunity for new young DJs to get in. And I think that's good. So yeah. You have a traveling, I'm sorry, we're going to wrap this up soon, but you have a traveling party, the Art of Storytelling? Yeah, Art of Storytelling, yes. Please, uh, let's touch on that real quick. Okay, real quick. So PST, one thing I used to like to do to keep it as it was getting really popular and we were getting the people that were like, not supposed to be there. I mean, I want to say not supposed to be there because I like to think I'm going to convert these people to like different music, but people that were just coming because, you know, Sana or Vaughn or someone, shout out to them, they're the homies, but they'd shout us out and they'd be like, show up and had no interest in music. They just wanted to, you know, talk to girls. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I started doing was curating tribute nights. So I know tributes are very common now, but I'm talking, this is like 2004. Come so on. We was ahead of the curve a little bit on that. Come on. And, and again, with the giving people flowers, I did a lot of tributes for artists that were still alive. We did a Prince tribute night. We did a Raphael Sadiq tribute night. Mm -hmm. We did a Shaka Khan tribute night. Woo. And the night that we did that really, really went up and was super cracking was the Outcast tribute night. You played Outcast music beginning and end and only Outcast music. Yeah. Because yep. they have a lot of... A lot of a lot of they have a lot of club, club slabs, yeah. yeah. Like unlike a lot of other rappers, like Outkast made their shit for clubs. Yes. So yeah. So um, ten years after PST died, I was like, I had always thought about doing an Outkast night, but yeah. I was like, man, tribute parties are hella trendy now. It's so corny. Everyone does tribute parties, um, but I decided to do one at Somar in Oakland just to see how it went, and it's just. It's just so fun. The Outcast is so much fun yes. to dance to. And like, it's, it's good. That, that's one of my favorite band uh, groups. That's that's really good hip hop. Yeah, it's like, really good. Yeah. Like no, there's they nothing. Like there's nothing to dislike about everything. Outcast. Yeah, like it's lyrical. Andre 3000, arguably Come the on, best man. rapper of all time. Like it's all like super 808, like mm. club knocking. Like they could do street. They could do like, exactly. You know, like that on the RB same song. Yeah. On the same song. Exactly. Yeah, and then like and then when you make it like the extended Outcast family. And you're bringing in Badu, Joy, Goody Mob, like all these different yeah. artists that fill it. It's like a really fun party. So we started doing it, and yeah, we we we've taken it to New York. The goal we've LA, the goal Chicago. The goal one day is to do it in, in Atlanta, but okay. I will only I will only do it in Atlanta like with someone from Outcast Camp co-signing because yeah. that's like someone coming to Frisco and doing like a San Quentin party and they didn't talk to San Quentin about like, it. Who was you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, and you shocked the party. <laughs> it's like you got to get everything removed from your body. Bro. Like, but yeah, so so that's that's the ultimate goal and there's been a couple conversations about that. You know, like I don't know Dre or Andre and I mean Dre and uh, Big Boy but like obviously they're not really together as a unit anymore mm -hmm. but I know different people in their camps so I've talked to them about it and they've been like yeah come throw the party I'm like nah I want like one of y'all to host it yeah. or like your DJ to spin with me or Sleepy Brown someone come over here somebody yeah <laughs> somebody from the oh god there's so, such a talented such a talented anyone from clip. Dungeon can really like yeah. you gotta dress up in Future, all Future's like Dungeon Family is he? Future's first generation Dungeon Family that's how that. influential Outcast is bro cause Future's Wait, one, future, future? Future's first generation Ooh, Dungeon Family wow yeah. most toxic dude in America hey, low key yeah. I love that dude though yeah that's why on his album Andre's on on the songs 
Uh, Andre's on his, I think on his second or third album, he's, Andre's got a feature. Yeah, he's, he's, he's first generation Dungeon. He, was, he had a different name, but he recorded. Um, he recorded their songs. He's on. He's some. He's on one of the songs on the I'm Dungeon Family Google compilation. That. Google, yeah, Google that shit. Yeah, just, so just incredibly wow. influential. Yeah, incredibly influ- influential in terms of like what we think of as trap music in the Atlanta strip club trap sound now. Like Outkast also Love influenced Outkast. that. Dude, yeah. they did everything. They did everything. They yeah. did, and they they kept evolving with time. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's very few groups, let alone individuals that that could evolve with time and just. I, I, as we're wrapping up, anything you want to share with our listeners of personal music, life, you know, anything you want to share, just just to give you the the, the floor. Um, I just no, nah, not really. Um, the 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 tequila's yeah. kicking in, but I do, <laughs> but I do want to say, um, you know, I've been in the in Frisco my whole life, and um, I've been a very outspoken person on a lot of things that I felt like were important for me. And in that process, I've made a lot of friends and I've also made a lot of enemies. But one thing that I've learned is that we can all learn and grow and become better people. Like for me, I've been in therapy for like six years. Mental health is important. Mental health, mental health is super important. I'm not saying like I'm a crazy person, but what I'm saying is like I'm crazy. it's really important. For, it's really important, especially for men to like have a space to talk about our feelings and to grow um, because we can actually become like incredible people um and be more confident in like who we are and um so i just yeah i don't really know if that's coherent but i just want to encourage everyone to like continue to work on yourselves like be who you are be grounded because i've always been grounded and i was raised to be like a good person to be an activist and to be someone who like speaks up for like homeless people or speaks up for people that don't have what i have um but i haven't always done it in the right way so i feel like continue to learn continue to grow and continue to like be humble especially in hip-hop like it's this amazing thing that is given to all of us and just be humble in it you know what i mean and and get back what are the social medias uh i'm really just on instagram and i'm on instagram like a motherfucker as you might have noticed bruh i fucking post on instagram like a crackhead but um (laughs) sake wonderful s-a-k-e number one t-e-r-f-u-l like you probably regret it but give me a follow i'm on private right now because of some Weird stuff that happened with a bunch Is of it white. Fake with a dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never going. Never going to hear the end of this. Yeah. Never go, I'm just going to get dollar. I'm, I'm going to get the dollar sign uh, emoji. It's go, every All first time day. I have a dollar sign. Money bag. Exactly. Money. <laughs> nah, this has been hella fun, y'all. I appreciate it. DJ Sake One One Hundred Eight and Free Nine Nine Podcast. Philly Phil Mono. Appreciate yep. you, Sake. Appreciate Hell, y'all, man. Thank you. Hey. Yo, yeah.